I know that when the angel first appeared to me that I said I wanted to be the Lord's servant, that I wanted to bring glory to his name. But how do I tell my dad that? Now with the wedding happening so quickly, it just looks like that I'm in such a rush to tie the knot because I was an irresponsible party girl. I know that Joseph knows that the baby is by the Spirit, but I just really wish that there could be this giant flashing neon sign over my head that everybody else could see so they'd stop giving me horrible looks when I go into the market. Not that I really go much into the market anymore. I'm throwing up every morning and nearly every time I see or smell food, which kind of makes it impossible to go into the market or to help my mom out in the kitchen like I used to or just to go out and have lunch with my friends. Plus, I'm scared. I'm terrified, really. I'm, I'm 16. I'm about to be a mom, and I'm, I'm not even married. I mean, my goodness. If I'm not throwing up, I'm, I'm crying. The reality of it all just hits me in certain moments, and I lose it. If I'm not crying about that, I'm crying about who knows what. I'm honored that God chose me to do this, but I just don't understand why he's choosing to do it like this. This was not on my radar. This was not in the plans that I had for my life, and I thought I had good God-honoring plans. And still, I know that everything's going to be okay. Amongst all the crazy things that I'm feeling, I'm not feeling loneliness, and I am feeling joy. Joy is actually probably the strongest thing inside me now, and I think it comes from knowing what a big deal this little guy inside me is going to be, and well, already is. I mean, the son of God, in some way my son too. (laughs) What an honor. And when I think about that, and not the fear or, or the judgment that others give to me, I get teary for a totally different reason. (laughs) And I sing praise in those moments too to him. My life and my body are the Lord's. And so I will honor him and I will worship him and I will be his servant. I know he's with me in every step of the way. And I know that even after this baby comes, he'll still be with me. That he's soon going to be with everyone else and that that is why he's coming. And I just get to experience it first. For that, I'm more than blessed. This discomfort is real, but it's temporary. And it's going to bring something that lasts for eternity. So no matter who will judge or who will scoff, I will worship and praise my God. For his plans are far greater than any I could have picked out for myself. Last week, I began a brief series I'm calling Christmas on the Road. Because we all understand that the holidays typically mean travel for a lot of people. Tell me if you recognize this picture. 
I'm told that those are reindeer. And you'll notice they have antlers. Now, here's what you may not know. Male and female reindeer have antlers. But around the end of November, the male's antlers fall off. It's the female who keep their antlers all the way through the spring until they have their calves. Now, every picture I have ever seen of Santa's sleigh, he's being pulled by reindeer with antlers. Doesn't this start to make sense? That if he's really going to get all over the world in one night, his reindeer can't be too vain to stop and ask for directions. Because holiday traveling, I think, is probably harder on women than it is on men. At least it was in our family. When our children were small and we had to hit the road every Christmas to see parents and grandparents, there was no question who had the hardest job. Now, yes, I had to do all the packing of the car. But then once we got on the road, my job was easy. I just had to hold the steering wheel. Jamie had to get out the goldfish and the Cheerios and fill up the sippy cups and clean up the spit up and take them to the bathroom 12 times in restrooms I wouldn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole and change diapers and read the same books over and over and over again. And there's no question by the time we got wherever we were going, who was the most exhausted? Because she had by far the hardest job. And no question... When that young couple made their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, who was the most tired? For whom the trip was hard. Can you imagine how Mary felt when she found out that some emperor she'll never meet has declared a census. And her pledged is from Bethlehem. And she, at nine months pregnant, has to get there on the softest donkey back she can find. In fact, have you ever noticed in the birth narratives of Jesus how much time Mary spends on the road? When she finds out that she is going to have a baby and that her cousin Elizabeth is already pregnant, she hits the road and she goes all the way down to Jerusalem, I mean to Judea, and she stays with her a season and then she hits the road back up to Nazareth. At nine months pregnant, she's got to hit the road back down to Bethlehem. After just a week of giving birth, she's got to go over to Jerusalem and present the baby in the temple. Come back to Bethlehem, finds out that a powerful king wants her baby dead. They've got to hit the road down to Egypt. And they hit the road back to Bethlehem and then back to Nazareth. And every time you read about Mary in these first couple of chapters of the Gospels, she's on the road. And maybe that's appropriate. Because faith belongs on the road. You see, saving faith is moving faith. The pleasing life is the pilgriming life. Throughout Scripture, there is this understanding that the faith that God is looking for is going to take you places. The Bible never asks us to sit by faith. But it calls us to walk by faith. Now think about this then. Who is in scripture the example constantly held up as the model of what saving 
faith looks like. It's Abraham. And what in particular has he done that models saving faith? And the answer is he was always willing to move. He lived his whole life in a tent because his faith was always asking him to move. In fact, Hebrews 11 verse 8 puts it this way from the message. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel. And so he moved out of his comfort zone because he trusted in the promise of God. The promise of God was worth the move to him. And when I say God's promise, I don't mean God's wish list. By promise, I mean the power and the will of God to create a future out of what has been a barren past. A situation that looks irredeemable, that looks irreparable, and God speaks into it. And God announces his will and his power to create all kinds of new possibilities. That's promise. Now, faith is the capacity to embrace that announced future with so much passion that you will pursue it no matter what it takes or where it takes you. Now, this is why you've heard me say this before. That Jesus never asked anybody to accept him. Now we tell people you need to trust Jesus. And mostly when they hear the word trust, they hear accept. But Jesus said no. He said, follow me. Saving faith is moving faith. You can't follow God. And stay where you are when you met him. And I think this is why Mary was so highly favored. Because she didn't just believe in God. She believed God. There is a difference. We'll talk about it in a moment. And she believed God to a degree that she's willing to take whatever journey that belief requires. And I believe God wants us all to learn from her. I think God wants us all to have a merry Christmas. Because Christmas is supposed to be a moving experience. Let Mary teach us today. Did you notice that first she moved in the direction of the promise? And what Luke does in his gospel is he deliberately contrasts the way she responded to news of a supernatural birth to the way that Zechariah, the priest, responded. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're an old couple. They've always wanted to have children. They were never able to have it. They've given up that dream. He's serving in the temple. The angel Gabriel says to him, Your wife is going to have a baby. God is answering your prayer. Now notice how Luke records his response in verse 18 of chapter 1. He said to the angel, Now how can I know that what you say is true? I'm an old man and my wife is old too. 
And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand before God who sent me to talk to you and to tell you this good news. Now, listen, you will not be able to speak until the day these things happen because you did not believe what I told you. But they really will happen. So he's in the temple serving the Lord. The angel shows up. The angel says, God's heard your prayers. God's going to answer your prayers. Your wife's going to have a baby. Zachariah says, I'll shut up. And the angel says, no, you shut up. (laughs) And he did. But I understand his dilemma. I mean, believing that an old woman can get pregnant is a big step of faith. And if it is, then how big a step is it to believe that a virgin can get pregnant and that's what the angel told Mary he said verse 35 the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God and what's more your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Now, do you think Mary understood this? That she understood conception by the Holy Spirit? 2,000 years and hundreds of systematic theologies later, we still don't understand this. This is a complete mystery. But she doesn't base her response on her ability to comprehend, but on God's ability to keep his promises. Because she remembered the words of the angel. For with God, nothing is impossible. Now, Mary knew her Bible. If you read the song a few verses later that she sang, it is full of scripture references from the Old Testament. For nothing is impossible with God. It's what God said to Abraham and Sarah when he told them they were going to have a baby. And he kept that promise. See, Mary had to believe before she could conceive. Now think about that. It is mind-blowing to me that the God of heaven, who before the creation of the world has a redemptive plan to redeem the entire cosmos, and it all hinges on the consent of a teenage girl. Over 400 years ago at Christmas time, Martin Luther preached a sermon that he said there are three Christmas miracles. Number one, that God became a man. Number two, that a virgin conceived. And number three, that Mary believed all this. And he said that was the greatest miracle. And so Mary took off for Judea to see Elizabeth. And the Bible says that when she got there, Elizabeth said, The baby in my womb has jumped for joy at the coming of the baby you carry. Side note the very first person on earth 
to rejoice at the coming of Jesus was in a womb. Now remember that the next time you hear propaganda that the life in the womb is not as important. She conceived in her womb because she believed in her heart in a God for whom nothing is impossible. And she moved in his direction. And Elizabeth said to her in verse 45, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Let's unpack that a little bit. I told you earlier, there is a difference between believing God and believing in God. Everybody in Nazareth believed in God. Mary was highly favored because she believed the Lord will do what he says. And many people don't. It's why they hoard and they're not generous with their offerings to God. Even though God has promised you be faithful and generous to me and I will return to you blessing. But they don't believe that. They believe in God. But they don't believe God. And so they're stuck in their greed. I have visited with Hundreds of Christians who are sexually immoral. Even though God has clearly said that I intended that sexual relationship to be an illustration of covenant faithfulness in marriage. To show the world my commitment to my church. And I will bless purity. I will honor purity. You honor it. And they believe in God. They just don't believe him when he says purity is the best way. I've talked to many people who've been deeply, deeply hurt by another person. And Jesus said, you forgive and you love and you bless the person that hurt you. And the promise and your reward will be great. In heaven. And they believe in God. But they don't believe God. And so they come to a church just like this every week. And they bring that hate and that anger and that bitterness with them. And they just stay stuck in it. Stuck because... They're afraid if they move in his direction, he won't show up. Or maybe stuck because they're afraid if they move in his direction, he will. You see, Mary moved on knowing that the road would be hard. Some years ago, you may be familiar with a psychologist named Thomas Holmes who designed a very well-known stress Test. The idea is that there are certain events in life that just naturally create stress. For example, losing a job. They assign 35 points to that on the stress scale. Moving to a new city is 25 points. Getting married is 50 points. 
going through the Christmas holidays is 14 points of stress. Can I get an amen? And the study was actually very amazing in its indicators that if you get up to about 200 points of stress in your life, you are very near a nervous breakdown. Well, a woman named Bridget Coons took that test and applied it to Mary. 40 points of stress for finding out you're pregnant. Another 20 that is an unplanned pregnancy. How many points for having to explain to family and friends and fiancés, planning a quick wedding, moving to a new city, going through birth, finding out that powerful forces wanted to arrest your family and kill your baby. They added it all up and Mary scored 424 points. She is one of the bravest people in the Bible. Now, the angel says, you are blessed. And she was. But think for a moment what her blessed life looked like. It meant getting pregnant before you're even married. It means a very, very difficult trip to a city where you have no family and friends. To give birth in a very, very Unpleasant place. It means a fugitive lifestyle. Always packing to move to a new place. One step ahead of those that want to hurt your baby. It means lifelong poverty. And a lifelong subject of crude innuendos about your morals. It meant years as a single parent with sibling rivalry, with sons who had problems with your oldest. It meant watching the very people you've lived around all your life want to throw your boy out of town When he comes home to preach his first sermon. And finally, it means being an eyewitness to his murder. Welcome to Mary's road. Now you understand why when they took baby Jesus to the temple and an old man named Simeon prophesied over the baby. He looked right at Mary and said, and a sword will pierce your soul. Maybe that's why the very first words of the angel to Mary were, do not be afraid. Because when God calls you to follow him, God doesn't promise you a downhill road with no bumps and problems. Mary had to make a choice. Is what God promises worth leaving? The safe and settled life I have now. And here's what she decided. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. And I am willing to do whatever he wants. Instead of praying the most common prayer in the world. 
Thy will be changed. She prayed the greatest prayer in the world. Thy will be done. And by the way, she taught that prayer to her boy. Now, a prayer like that will take you places. Like a cross. Earlier in the year, I did a series called Hearing God. And I told you very plainly in that series, I believe God speaks and we can hear him. And I do. Now, I don't want to give the impression that I am constantly hearing the voice of God. Only a few times in my life have I heard an experience where I thought I heard the audible voice of God. Most of the times, like you, it's just inner leadings and impressions of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you one of those times. I've never told this story. It was a season in the life of me and Jamie that was really, really hard because of one of our children. It was a dark time. And it had been dark for a long time. And I'd prayed and prayed till I didn't know what else to say. And so one day I'm praying to the Lord and I'm just saying, Lord, I don't know what to do anymore. And I heard the Lord. And the Lord said, let me have him. And I'm being totally honest and vulnerable. My immediate response to the Lord was, no. And in the next moment, I felt the gentle but very firm rebuke of the Holy Spirit. You talk about your ultimate contradiction in terms. No, Lord. Is it. But I said no. Because I was afraid. If God took over. It could take him and us down a road. I didn't want to go down. And so I repented. Because you can't pray. That will be done. But only if It's down a path I want to go on. Have you ever in your life just handed your life over so completely to God, you're willing to go wherever that takes you? You see, Mary had a master. Before she became a mother. In fact, she was the first follower of Jesus. Mary moved over. And she let Christ move in. It wasn't just that Mary was able to believe that God could do the impossible. Now, she went farther than that. She was available for God to do the impossible in her. And so Mary became the very first person Jesus lived inside. And you see, I believe there is room on her road 
for more of us to travel. I think that announcement of Gabriel to Mary was also the foreshadowing of an invitation to all of us. God wants to send his son to live in all of us. See, you believe that up here. You believe in the theology of an indwelling Christ. But do you believe it? Do you believe in the reality of Jesus in you? Because my suspicion is for many of us, our lack of faith is aborting what the Holy Spirit is trying to conceive in us. And so we stay stuck in what we have decided is impossible. I can't break out of this sin. I can't get rid of this addiction. I can't ever love her again. You can't, but Jesus can. And Jesus lives in you. I can't get over that. I can't ever forgive them. I'll never let it go. You can't, but Jesus can. And Jesus lives in you. Do we believe Christmas? Or do we just believe in it? Jesus did not stay where he was. So that you wouldn't have to stay where you are. Or as Paul put it in Colossians 1. This mystery. Is that Christ lives in you. And he is your hope of sharing in God's glory. And so Christmas is more than just the news that Jesus is born. It is the good news that Jesus can be born in you. Because God wants everyone to have a merry Christmas. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Pray with me, please. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the heavenly angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us. Abide in us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. Please stand. And so I ask you now to take a step.
a step of faith in the direction of the promise of God that Jesus lives in you. We're going to have some people down front to receive you, to talk to you about whatever that means. But take the step now. Please come in the direction of the promise of God while we sing.